Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Darby Toth, a technical field services representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services representative with Western United Dairies. And it is week 30. We made it, Darby. <laughs> we made it another week down in this year of quarantine. Yes. So 30 weeks in, it's also Halloween. So we have some treats for everyone in today's episode, I would say, but um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. One thing I wanted to cover, we made it to week 30. Um, I have a ton of deadlines coming up in November and December, and you have a pretty big workload. All of our workloads have shifted a little with COVID and changes. So we're going to be taking it a little bit easier coming up um, in November and December through the holidays. Um, we're going to still have weekly content for everyone. We're going to have updates, market reports. We're going to share some of our virtual kitchen table meetings via the podcast, but um, we just wanted to let everyone know our episodes um, for the month of November and December are just going to be a little bit shorter and a little bit more business oriented um, just to get through the holidays. And we're going to start fresh the first week of January. So I think we're still going to have the messages, good content for everyone, but giving ourselves a little bit of a break. Week, the weekly grind is real. Yeah, we're hoping everybody else will want to spend a little bit more time with their families and friends yeah. around the holidays. Yeah, I chatted with Devin a little bit last week and he said, don't take it personally, but now that I'm not in the tractor as much, probably not getting as many listens in. And I, I totally understand that. I think you're right. We're hopefully focusing a little more on family and a little more on uh, the important things. So the podcast can come back in, in January in full force. <laughs> Yeah, but we have a pretty exciting episode today, Melissa. Yes. I'm super excited. So we have our market update, and then Paul Souza is going to chime in with an environmental update, and then we have something else exciting happening this week. Yeah, a big shout out to one of our board members, Cody Nicholson-Stratton. He has a friend who agreed to jump on the podcast with us this week and talk a little bit about her experiences as a dairy producer in Wisconsin, and that is the very famous dairy Carrie, uh, Carrie Mess. So we're really excited to chat with her. We had a great visit and just talked a little bit about her, her advocacy, some of the opportunities that that's led to, and then just a quick little message for producers um, in light of this crazy year we're, we're all in. So without further ado, we'll jump into our market update with Tiffany and get this episode rolling. Good morning, folks. Can you believe we're wrapping up the final days of October and embarking on the final months of 2020? As I think back about the year, I honestly can't decide if it's felt like 10 months or 10 days or 10 years. <laughs> I'm guessing most of you feel like the latter. Uh, certainly for those of us watching and living in the dairy markets, it has been a really wild ride. Uh, did you know this has been one of the most volatile years on record? Uh, probably not a surprise, right? But remarkable to look back at a few years as we look at metrics. So think 20, 2009, 2009, devastatingly low prices for the industry. Or think 2014, amazingly high prices. And to see volatility metrics for 2020 below those years out of the water by almost twofold is just really something else. By all accounts, uh, we expect November and December to be more of the same. 
certainly this week, um, we, we continue to, to see some amazing things. Uh, blocks gained a penny. We closed the week at 278 and a quarter. Um, more importantly, we finished October smashing an all-time record. Blocks will close the month out on an average of 271, highest on record. Barrels continued to their push higher. We gained seven and a half cents up to 253, also smashing an all-time record, highest barrel price in history. One of the biggest catalysts has certainly been the USDA food box program, and they announced yet another round last Friday, uh, slating $500 million and running through the end of the year. Rough estimates show it could move about 15 to 20 million pounds of cheese and millions of pounds of other dairy products and also fluid uh, milk as well. I will say questions really remain around what government intervention will look like as we move into 2021. And I think the futures markets have been grappling with that a bit as well. Uh, despite steady to higher spot cheese prices, uh, behind the scenes, the class three and cheese futures markets have really been struggling to find direction. Um, for instance, January, as an example, we hit a high of 1857 on Monday, falling to a low of a 1792 on Wednesday. So we saw that contract alone travel about 65, 70 cents for the week. Butter also had a hard time finding direction this week. We started off at 144. We fell to a low of $1.38 and a quarter on Wednesday and closed out the week at $1.39, down a nickel. Despite what seems to be really strong retail pool, um, we still have plenty of bulk butter on hand um, that is just hanging over the markets and certainly coming to Chicago. Uh, but for the first time in a long time, we are hearing some talk of export potentials. So that is a bright spot. Uh, perhaps we can uh, remain competitive there and move some additional product. Moving over to nonfat, we were able to claw back a penny in the market this week to 110.75. Uh, that market feels really range bound for now. Uh, we do have plenty of product. We're seeing plenty uh, of milk make its way through the dryers, uh, lots of drying activity across the country, uh, but we do remain competitive globally and demand out of areas like Asia um, remains uh, pretty solid. Looking ahead to next week, it is a big week. We, we kick it off with a time change. We head into an election. We have a global dairy trade event, and we also get the dairy products report. So I suspect when we meet up next week, we'll have yet another exciting week to cover. So until next time, I encourage you to keep thinking ahead into 2021. Uh, a lot of uncertainties still remain. Please reach out if you'd like to discuss some strategies to prepare ourselves uh, for whatever lies ahead. Hope you have a great weekend. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com safety. Thanks so much, Tiffany. We really appreciate your market update. And now we're going to jump over to an interview with you, Melissa, and our Director of Environmental Affairs, Paul Souza. 
welcome back to the show, Paul Souza, Western United Dairies Director of Environmental Affairs. Hi, Paul. Happy Friday. Hi, Melissa. Happy Friday. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast again. Absolutely. Well, Paul, we chatted a little bit yesterday and you've been getting quite a bit of phone calls and just a lot of questions about a couple of big environmental topics in the industry. So the first one is the ARB truck rule. We have a, a quick update for members, especially because we've been getting a lot of questions about it. Yeah, uh, I've been fielding some questions and so I figured it'd be a good opportunity to bring it up on the podcast. Um, one of the things that's triggering those questions is that uh, starting this year in 2020, the DMV is withholding registration for trucks that are not in compliance with the Air Resources Board truck rule. Okay. Uh, so this rule has been in place for a number of years and you know, trucks have been out of compliance, but it's kind of rolled on down the road. Now, if you're not in compliance, you get a notice from the DMV that you're not able to register your truck. And so that's triggered some calls. And then some of the other calls have been just dairies that are trying to stay in compliance. They bought a new truck to replace an old truck. Um, you know, it's getting into the fall. They're kind of having an opportunity now to kind of get caught up on this. So I, I've definitely been seeing an uptick in interest in this and wanted to update our uh, members. I want to remind them that the goal of this rule was to get trucks turned over to newer trucks that meet the latest emission standards. Um, basically, this means trucks with 2010 or newer engines that use uh, diesel exhaust fluid or DEF. I think our members are becoming used to that. It's kind of the new technology for uh, reducing emissions from diesel engines. Um, and so ARB has this rule to kind of try to force a faster turnover and get these cleaner trucks out on the road. Absolutely. And, and a 2010 truck is, is 10 years old at this point. So it's, it's not too hard for a dairy to go out and hopefully find a truck of that age. Yeah. Okay, Paul, well, does this rule apply equally to all trucks? Well, that's a, a good point, Melissa. So back when this rule was being written about a decade ago, um, Western United worked with the Air Resources Board to uh, develop this rule in a way to include extensions for um, trucks used in agriculture from the deadlines that they had in the rules, as long as those trucks stayed under some mileage limits. Um, we did a lot of work on that. We were successful. There's also a low mileage exemption for trucks that stay under a thousand miles a year. I know there's not a lot of trucks that can do that, but for those that can, uh, they are exempt from the rule. Uh, if you've got one of these extensions, um, you know, dairies should know that they need to report their odometer readings um, to uh, the Air Resources Board every January. And you should also be watching your mileage on your truck to make sure you don't exceed whatever limits uh, you've got on there for the uh, extension that you're under. Absolutely, and I, I can't wait for January. I start to get a lot of calls from dairymen saying, hey, here's my odometer reading. So um, we'll be sending out reminders about that, but yeah, it's, it's coming up fast. Um, so one of the big questions is, is it true that the ag extension expires at the end of 2022? Yes. So dairy should be planning on how to deal with that turnover uh, if they have multiple trucks. Um, I've been talking to dairies about this and if they have you know, five trucks, they don't wanna turn those all over uh, at the very beginning of 2023. And so they're starting to space that out as you know, a financial planning that you need to be doing. Um, again, as you mentioned, I'm gonna be reminding our members again about the reporting deadline in January uh, in our newsletter, the update, and maybe on the podcast, if you'll have me back again. Absolutely. Uh, January would be a good time to do that. And I also, as you mentioned, you know, members contact you and members also contact me. I help a lot of people uh, with reporting for that January uh, reporting deadline. Definitely. Yeah, it seems I remember um, as a new brand new field rep years ago when that rule came out, it seemed like 2022 was so far away, yeah. but we're, we're getting there. So 
We'll definitely have you back for those reminders in January. And then again, probably um, toward the middle of next year, just to keep, keep it yeah. on dairymen's minds. Um, Paul, I'm sure that you can help our members if they have questions about this. If they haven't traditionally connected with you, it's just as easy as a phone call or an email. Um, anything else you want to let them know? Yeah, I, I definitely can help our members and I have been helping our members, but I do you know, want to remind folks I don't have a magic wand. Yeah. Uh, you know, deadlines in this rule are coming up. These trucks are expiring. Uh, and in many cases, these trucks are going to have to be turned over. I'm helping members, you know, maintain their ag slots. But those end at the end of 22, uh, 2022. If you have a truck that's never been entered into an extension, and now you get a notice from the DMV that you can't renew that, there's not very much I can do there. So, um, you know, I, I want to help people, but I want to let them know that, you know, there's limitations to the help I can offer. Most of the help I am uh, helping people and being successful is uh, where they got the ag extension and there's some mistake or something, a truck fell out of it. Um, you know, they need help getting that caught up or, you know, they bought a new truck to replace an old truck and they're uh, working on getting that switched out. That kind of stuff I am helping and having a lot of success uh, helping members stay in compliance and keep their trucks. But um, I do see a lot of turnover happening and that's just the way the rule is written. Um, and I, I don't see a way around that at this point. Definitely. So I guess the big message is call us early, get on the radar, especially if you have one of these unique situations um, and we can work through it. It just takes some time. So let's yeah. not let's not wait till the last minute. OK, Paul, Absolutely. switching gears a bit, <laughs> something we've all I almost want to have a drum roll. We've all been anticipating the release of the um, awards for AMP and the digester program from CDFA. So yesterday um, in the midst of a virtual kitchen table meeting, that information was sent out. And we'd love a little update from you about AMP and the digester program. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned yesterday on Thursday, October 29th, for those that might be listening to this podcast down the road, uh, CDFA did announce the awards for the Dairy Digester Research and Development Program and the Alternative Manure Management Program um, that were funded in this round. And like you said, um, I have had much anticipation. I have been getting texts and calls from members who had submitted applications, you know, wondering, you know, do you know when it's going to come out? And um, CDFA website said October, and there weren't a lot of days left in October uh, as of yesterday. I did check their website yesterday. Um, maybe 10 minutes before they posted this. And then uh, Darby called me and said, I think CDFA has announced this. And I, I said, I was just on their website. And I went back and checked. And sure enough, uh, between the time I had checked it 10 minutes before and Darby's phone call, they had posted that. And then it, you know, set off a flurry of uh, phone calls and texts and, um, you know, some very happy members. I had some good conversations with folks that uh, were fortunate enough to be awarded that I had helped with their applications. Yeah, it's um, a really great program. This is probably, honestly, Paul, we don't know for sure, but this is probably the last year that we're gonna have the ability for producers to apply for it. There isn't anything on the horizon, but also of note, the funding was reduced um, from previous rounds. Is that correct? Yes, so we were aware that the funding was cut to one third of the previous okay. two rounds. And so we knew going into this that there were gonna be fewer projects funded, but due to COVID and its impact on the state's economy, there were even further cuts. Okay. And so unfortunately that reduced the number of projects that got awarded. Uh, and that is really a shame because a lot of people submitted applications. These uh, programs had become very popular. They'd become well-known with dairies. So a lot of people submitted applications, only a few were able to be funded. And so unfortunately there's a lot of disappointed folks out there. Uh, there were, um, the way I count them, um, nine digester projects funded 
Uh, as you and I were talking earlier, for some reason, CDFA's announcements uh, have higher numbers. Uh, and AMP, there were 11 projects funded. I, they say 13, but I only count 11. Um, and last time I checked, I could count. So um, <laughs> only 11 out of 79 AMP projects wow. got funded. Unfortunately, that's, that's a lot of disappointed people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um I know Paul. We didn't. We had several dairies on the North Coast who were members that applied. Really good applications. I worked with them. You worked with them. They worked with other consultants. They did a really good job. It just wasn't in the cards this year because the funding wasn't there. Yeah, and what I really want to point out is not to be discouraged. Um, you know, you might have had a very good application, but unless you were the absolute cream of the crop in this round, it didn't get funded. Not because of being a poor application. Uh, and so, you know, I want you to kind of, you know, keep that uh, application uh, ready to go in case there is future funding uh, that we can dust that off and polish it up and uh, resubmit it. I really think um, it was unfortunate with the funding levels and that um, there are a lot of good projects that just didn't get funded due to funding levels. Yeah, it's, it is unfortunate, but hopefully we'll just keep working on looking for alternate avenues of, of grant funding and money for these producers. Hopefully we can get those projects in because, uh, you know, they have the added benefit of making life on the dairy a little easier, but reducing methane emissions. So we're going to keep producers updated on this. We'll be really pounding the pavement to get more information. Um, you know, maybe there's not going to be a funding round next year, but in two years, or it just really depends on state budgets and state budget priorities. So Western's definitely working on, on making this a priority and um, just reach out to us if you have questions about maybe some different opportunities. We can always help look for those. Yeah, absolutely. Great, Paul. Well, thank you so much. Uh, have a happy Halloween and yeah. uh, we'll have you back. Uh, you know, we'll give you a couple of weeks off, but we'll have you back soon for another update. Yeah, uh, whenever there's more news, I'd be happy to uh, be on. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Have a good weekend. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with a relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Thanks so much, Paul. That's a great update on AMP and the ARB truck rule. Good information for our members. Now, without further ado, we are going to welcome our very special guest, Carrie Mess, to the podcast. We are excited to welcome a very special guest today, dairy producer and advocate, Carrie Mess, or as most people know her on Instagram and other social media platforms, Dairy Carrie, to this week's episode of Seen and Heard. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Thanks for having me on. I wish that my weather was as beautiful as your weather right now, but um, we have seasons here. <laughs> yeah, it's getting cold. <laughs> 75 and a little bit of blue skies outside here so we can't complain too much we have blue skies it is not 75. <laughs> <laughs> well carrie kind of as we get started could you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family in dairy in wisconsin sure so my husband and i farm with his parents um and we have two little boys 
Um, we milk just a hundred cows, raise our own young stock and have crops on about 300 acres. So we're kind of on the smaller side of average for a Wisconsin dairy farm. Um, I was not raised on a farm. I grew up in the city. Um, my husband was the kid that wasn't gonna come back to the farm. Um, and here we are um, about 13 years later, farming um, and transitioning the dairy between his parents and us. That's a story we hear about a lot. Um, out here in California, our average dairy size is a little bit bigger than in Wisconsin, yeah. but um, that transition from generation to generation is something we work with a lot, Carrie. And um, is there anything, any like anything you'd like to share about that? I know it's kind of off of our topic list, but. You know, so I left my job in town and came to the farm and started working for my in-laws before my husband left his town job. So I worked with his parents before he was working with his parents and that was tough. Um, yeah. I mean, it's still tough, right? Like the, the in-law jokes exist for a reason. Um, so we, we get along pretty well and I'm just really thankful that I married into a dairy farm that's really progressive. So we're not necessarily big, but we um, embrace technology. We try new things. We are always looking towards the future. So I'm, I'm really thankful that I've ended up in a family that um, wants to try new things and do things differently. Definitely. And speaking of progressive, one um, thing we really want to hit on today and what a lot of people know you for is being an advocate. And um, you started that early on. I remember being a Cal Poly student a few years ago and, and reading your blog. <laughs> and um, I just wonder if you could share a little bit about how you got started and built a following over the years and maybe recommendations you have to folks in the industry or farmers who want to share their own stories via social media. Yeah. So when I started working on the farm, you know, again, I didn't grow up on the farm. So most of my Facebook friends and such were people I went to high school with and they didn't know anything about farming either. Um, so as I was learning, I was just sharing little bits of stuff that I thought was interesting and other people would comment and ask me questions and, and just have really good conversation that way. And so it's almost 10 years now, I started a Facebook page and a blog to just share that. And, and back then I pretty much like focused on just sharing farming, 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 farming. Every calf that was born on the farm got its picture posted on Facebook. And, um, and it was just all farm all the time, which, I mean, it was great. I have blog posts that, um, you know, when people are searching for information, my blog post is the first thing that comes up. So that's been great. Um, but over the years I've evolved kind of what I do into more sharing the story of agriculture instead of trying to educate people about agriculture. So I have this theory that it's better to influence than it is to educate. So, because um, people can have all the facts and figures in the world, but they're still gonna do what they feel. And so by influencing them, you know, I'm, I'm affecting their feelings more than just putting science, facts, figures, numbers out there. And um, that's worked well for me. Yeah, it's really great. And I think as we've moved into this year, this 2020, and kind of seen how the internet and all these different things play a role in our lives even more when we're home, 
I certainly have learned that really all the facts and figures and data in the world don't matter, but you're right. When you start to share a story and, and someone else's perspective, we could kind of a little bit walk in each other's shoes or at least understand our feelings a little bit, hopefully. You know, if people could just believe science and believe the figures and believe like the, the legit facts out there, wouldn't life be a lot simpler? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Um, well, as an avid follower of your Instagram account, Carrie, I really appreciate that one of the things you do on your platform through that influencing is share about a lot of the work you do in different sectors of your community. Maybe not things that the average farmer thinks about or is super actively involved in. Um, and, you know, one of those I, I really appreciate, I work really closely with food banks in my hometown. So making direct food donations and then you've sort of branched out and created this Humans of Agriculture um, Instagram account that's really, the stories are so great. Um, can you share a little bit about what you've learned about just kind of how your sphere can can influence those type of, that type of good work? So one of the things that was really important to me as I gained a voice out there in the world was that if I was gonna have a platform, um, it needed to be something that I use to benefit the greater good, not just myself. So that's just a core tenant to me and feeding people, not just as a farmer, but as a human is really important. I grew up in a house that wasn't always food secure. So it's, it's something near and dear to my heart. And I got involved with um, one of our local food banks and, and just really have learned a lot more about what's going on in that world and, and how things happen there. And, and so I work a lot with our local food bank to develop new ways for them to get dairy. Um, or during the pandemic here, you know, I did a, a fundraiser. We raised almost $10,000 to buy cheese curds for um, the food banks around here to distribute. And, um, and yeah, I started Humans of Agriculture um, on my blog and and there's a couple other humans of ag accounts out there now but you know I'm the OG there you are <laughs> and I just wanted to share stories of the people behind the food like you know when people think of farmers outside of what farmers think of farmers they I don't think they have a very good picture of how diverse we are. So when I'm sharing the stories um, in the Humans of Ag series, it's just sharing that there are people out there producing your food that have something in common with you. We are not strange people from a strange land. We're, we're all together on this and we have things in common. So um, everyone I share on Humans of Ag is tied closely to the to agriculture, but that's not necessarily the piece of the story I focus on with them. So um, I've, and I've done a couple themed series. I did a, a week of posts of LGBTQ people in agriculture. I did a week of immigrants um, in agriculture, but I've also talked about mental health. I've talked about uh, domestic violence. I've talked about, um, and I should, shouldn't say that I've talked about it. I've just shared the stories but organ donation, um, gosh, adoption, just all kinds of different stories. And, and again, the whole point is just to help people understand um, from outside of agriculture that 
there's a lot more to us than just cows and plows in agriculture. So we're, we're more interesting than that. Yeah, they're super, the stories are just so touching. The, the one you shared this week, um, the young lady that has it as an artist was so, I, I loved it. The, just the, the jewelry and the outfit and it, it a non-ag person probably wouldn't think someone, you know, who like this young lady is, you know, in, involved in growing their food. And it's really important to make that connection. I think now probably more than ever. Um, I think it's so interesting too. We have these, I mean, we joke all the time about, about the stereotypes of our dairy producers and kind of the things that they have in common that you can kind of expect them to do. But that's one of the blessings of this job is getting to know people on a personal level and, and realizing that every single dairyman that we work with is so diverse, so different. Every producer, every family is its own set of, of really interesting facts and it's just nice to have someone who has that platform and is able to share that that type of interesting diversity um, with with people who aren't just us and we're not just talking to you know ourselves. And I, I'll be honest, of everything I do, you know, humans of ag, those posts are probably not my most popular posts, but it's what I love to share, right? Like I just I love that piece, so um, it's fulfilling to me, and I think it helps our industry as a whole. It absolutely does. Um, and you did, you mentioned mental health, Carrie, um, as a producer advocate, that's a really, really big thing for us. I'm, I'm really passionate about that and making sure producers get connected with services when things are not easy. Um, 2020 has been a really tough year. Our dairy industry has seen a roller coaster of prices. There have been some really good assistance programs that have helped out, but just mostly a bunch of uncertainty that persists. We don't see a light at the end of any tunnel at this point. Um, and the volatility really weighs on these producers and the mental and emotional health are kind of the first thing to take a toll. It's hard, um, especially, I we work with a lot of men these days. Um, I have a lot of geysers in their 60s and 70s and it's hard for them to talk about that. But I think, you know, one key thing is just really continuing to hit home that there are people out there to talk to, that a lot of people are going through the same thing. You're not alone in light of all of that, that's a lot, but do you have anything you'd like to share with your fellow producers kind of with all of that in mind? You know, I always make the joke that in order to dairy farm, you have to be a little crazy in the first place, right? And it's just something that we're so passionate about, but I think we also can cause some of our own anxiety and our own stress by not remembering that, you know, we are more than our farms. Mm -hmm. We have a value as a human, not just as a dairy farmer. So I think taking time to feed what our souls need, what our bodies need outside of the farm and, and giving ourselves the grace required um on the day-to-day is really important and and i guess if i just whoever's listening to this do me the favor of the next time you run up against something that's just a challenge remember to give yourself a little grace it'll be all right things are fine 
it's okay. Deep breath, you know, take, take that time for yourself. It, it's tough out there. And if you need help, if, if you're just struggling, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to talk to someone. Nobody's going to judge you. And, and I would add as, you know, sometimes the person that gets the phone call, it's okay to yell at me a little bit, or, you know, you have to be a little careful there, but it's okay. Like we're here to listen. And I joke that I carry a, should carry a couch in the back of my truck so people can lay down and have a little session. But, um, yeah, I'm a veterinarian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the nutritionist, but, um, or the milk truck driver. Yes, take your pick. Yeah. And I think that's really, you know, I guess to kind of like hit that home, it's really important. It's, it's okay to, to talk to these people. That's what we're here for. Um, you know, we're here for obviously to provide you a service, whether it's, you know, prank checking your cows or picking up your milk, but also, you know, we're all in this together. Our, our jobs all are interlinked and our lives are, and oftentimes we're in small towns, so it's in more ways than one, but no one has to to do this alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is so true. Um, thank you so much. Gosh, it's, it's just a good reminder. It seems like it's, it's a simple thing, but a really good reminder. Hopefully, you know, hopefully 2021 is our year. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're all looking forward to that. Um, and, and I'm hearing uh, some good things. I work with a lot of organic producers, so some good things on the supply front for next year. And that'll be good. I know the organic supply, um, problems are not easy right now. Yes. It's been a little tight the last couple of years. So I think, I think all of us, um, as you said, we're, we have a lot to look forward to and, um, let's just take care of each other if we can and Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves. Thank you so much, Carrie, for being here today. Thanks for having me on. We will, uh, you're always welcome back. I know, uh, Wisconsin's two hours ahead and, and it's a lot to, with everything you have going on, but if you ever, if you ever want to come back, we would welcome you as a guest. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much to our special guest, Carrie Mess again for that awesome time she spent with us today. Yep. It was pretty exciting to get to have her on, especially for our 30th episode. So a few other kind of notes as we wrap up this week's episode, CMAB Snack Accelerator finals are coming up on November 17th. And we're excited to share that we will have the winner on the podcast that week. And we want to give a huge thank you to our contributors again, Tiffany, Paul, and of course, Carrie Mess for making this week's episode possible. Also, a huge thanks to all of our sponsors, especially PG&E and Yosemite Farm Credit. If you'd like information on sponsorship or how to advertise on our podcast, please reach out to our office at info, I-N-F-O, at wudairies.com or 209-527-6453. You can also direct your questions, comments, and contact requests for the podcast to wud.pod at gmail.com to myself, Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com. Or to me, Melissa at M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com. Also remember, we've got to get this plug in to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite listing platform. Thanks and happy Halloween.
While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies generous 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com.